This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. I'm Robbie Greenfield, and alongside me is Chris McCarty and Sona Rapani. Working our way through the years, we'll highlight world events, cultural achievements, and the stories that have been forgotten. We've moved on to the year 1998 of this pop culture tour. And so far, if we're looking back, 1994, still the all-conquering year with a score of 9.6 out of 10. Very unofficial, these scores. Yeah, of course. And I did look back at it. I was intrigued to see because it did occur to me that the 1990s significantly outperforming the 1980s. Based on the average scores that we're giving each year, the 1980s averaged a score of 6.79 out of 10. Okay. Well, I've been busy today, Rob. And, yeah, I, I got the calculator out. Yeah. And the 90s are averaging a whopping 8.22 out of 10. Mm. Have we just become more generous? I think this has to do with our age and what we remember. Although, to be fair, I do think the 80s would have scored higher with all of us because we all really appreciated the movies. Uh, It would have scored higher for us had it not been the music. Mm. I mean, pretty much every year of the 80s was the same kind of ballad, whereas at least with the 90s, whether you like it or not, there have been so many different genres of it that we've really enjoyed. Yeah. Okay. well, let's look at some of the international stories that were making headlines in 1998. And I guess the biggest piece of news, certainly in the tech world and certainly in terms of impacting our lives today, was that in 1998... Two Stanford PhD students, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, founded Google. Mental. And its first iteration, we've talked about this on the show before, was Backrub. <laughs> Any ideas as to why they thought Backrub? I can't recall. It wasn't a massage service. No. I would hope not. Um, it all stemmed from Page's curiosity with backlinks on how one web page links to any other web page (laughs) because they created this algorithm and they had initially decided to go with the word back rub and let's be honest if it had been called back rub it would never have have you back rubbed it yeah you know just saying that you've got to back rub it i beg your pardon back rub it what back rub it (laughs) just sounds a little bit seedy doesn't it exactly exactly. it's probably why they didn't end up going with it well, they did. it sounds very seedy. Obviously, Google is all about the mathematical expression for the number one followed by a hundred zeros. Mm-hmm. And that was reflecting in the company's mission statement to organise the world's information. Heck of a mission statement from a company. Hey, guys, mission statement. We just launched. We're going to organise the world's information. It does. Well, obviously, I'm going to say it 2020 vision and all, but Google just fits. It's like a glove. Google works, doesn't oh, yeah. it? I mean, compare and contrast it with back rub, and I think they've absolutely made the right choice to change the name. Yeah, it's a, it's a quirky name, Google, as well, isn't it? Yeah, you know why, why I think it works is because it does mean something, it does. but it's not a common word that people Correct. use or even knew what it meant before the service was yeah. launched. Fun fact, though, an actual Google is not spelt the same way that Google spells it. Uh-huh. It's okay. Google. All right. Thanks for that. That's, yeah. that's one of my own facts, by Changed the way. Changed my e- world with that one. I, I didn't even research that. Well um, done, right. <laughs> well so done. proud of himself. I, I love it. Lad Bible I've added value without using Lad Bible as a reference. Well Incredible. Uh, right. Uh, more offbeat news. A British man is arrested for driving with baked beans in his boots. <laughs> what? 
Police pulled over a driver in Colchester in England for a routine stop, and while they were keeping an eye out for any signs of intoxication, they probably didn't expect to come across a man who was wearing Wellington boots filled with baked beans and tomato sauce. A spokesperson explained, we have no idea why he was doing it, but it is an offence not to be in proper control of a car. Wearing boots could cause the driver to be distracted and have an accident, and he was fined and arrested. Different strokes for different folks, but that is a bit odd for me, that. Really odd. Beans in Wellington boots. Yeah, no explanation. Maybe he just likes the way they feel Thanks. between his toes. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, we no. recently saw Phil Mickelson win the Masters at 50. Proving that age is but a number, mm. Harrison Ford was crowned people's sexiest man alive this year at the grand old age of 55. Top man. Taking the title from George Clooney. Like a fine grape, Harrison. Still 55. Looks a, still looks a million percent. Yeah. Now. Yeah. How old would he be now? 74. 23 years ago, so he'd be 78. 78. Yeah. Another future holder of that crown, Brad Pitt. He was dating Jennifer Aniston in 1998, and pretty much every female Friends fan was mulling over a Rachel haircut yeah, at the 98. time. VHS tapes were still the most cost-effective and popular way to watch films. It wasn't actually until 2002 that DVD players would outsell video recorders. But in 1998, there were only 100 movies available on DVD. Everything else was on VHS. And this was also the year, I hate to say this, Chris... Oh, no. ..the Tamagotchi was usurped by a very unsettling rival um, called the Furby. They were officially launched in 1998. Take a listen to the debut advertisement. <gasps> What's that? Me up. It's my Furby. Furby loves you love and Tickle me. Furby, the first gigapet oh. you pet. Oh, pet me. Teach to say her name. There's a reason that did not catch on with me. That is exceptionally disturbing. <laughs> I just decided, following on from the Teletubbies last week, I just felt that there has to be at least one disturbing advertisement played in every single warning of this. And uh, in other news, Europe finally agreed on a single currency. The euro was born in 1998. And finally, Bill Clinton landed himself in some pretty hot water with a certain... Monica I did Lewinsky. not have sexual relations. Indeed, I did have. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Well done, you bud. <laughs> Just forgot, did so you? So there you have it. 1998 strong. Oh, I was 17. Oh, what a, what a time. World Cup. What a time to be 11. 17. 11. Good time to be 11. Uh, let's focus now on the films, though. Amazingly, we spoke about Titanic. It was still the number one movie at the box office in 1998. As well, despite being released in November of the previous year. But when it comes to epic work, do something to rival James Cameron's masterpiece in 1998? Ryan. I don't know anything about Ryan. I don't care. Man means nothing to me. It's just a name. But if you know, if going to Ramel and finding him so he can go home, if that earns me the right to get back to my wife, well then, then that's my mission. I just know that every man I kill, the farther away from home I feel. What a movie that is! What an opening forty-five minutes. Yes, the most. 
I watched it at the cinema. I I cannot remember a film that had a bigger impact in the first 45 minutes than Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, on the beach. Have you seen it, Son Rapani? I have not. You just nodded. Like, I knew you just no, you had I a looked, blank I expression. I deliberately looked away from you because I saw you looking at me, waiting for my reaction. Yeah. I was just going to quietly How let that one pass by. Saving you would love it, I think, Sons. Yeah. It's powerful. Top oh of the list, God. top of the list. It's yeah, he's right, the first 45 minutes. It's just, it, it, it is harrowing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the, the concept of, like, there's a lot of war movies, obviously, out there, and most of them are tough watches, but... The idea of being on a boat, just going towards a beach where there's a line of machine guns waiting for you. It was just like when the the bullets were just peppering the water and they were hitting soldiers who were underwater and you could see the bullets go through the water and it was slowed down and it was just, oh, it was absolutely harrowing. It was harrowing. And Tom Hanks' brilliant portrayal in that film. It was an amazing cast, actually. And obviously Steven Spielberg's direct direction and a couple of uh, interesting little tidbits about the film. It, it came together in one day because Steven Spielberg had... It was the first movie that he'd done that had not been developed by himself. It was actually Robert Rodat's script that was sent to him by his agent. And it was also sent to Tom Hanks. Now, those two had not worked together before. They would go on to work on a number of different films together, including Catch Me If You Can, The Terminal, Bridge of Spies. But they ended up seeing this script on the same day and they decided to collaborate on the movie all in the same day. Amazing. Robin Williams helped Matt Damon land the part of Private Ryan by introducing him to Steven Spielberg. This was after Matt Damon's turn as Will Hunting in yeah. Good, Good Will Hunting. Oh, that's amazing. Um, they met, they just met casually, just at an event and a function. And two weeks later, Spielberg <laughs> reached out to him and said, do you fancy the part of Private Ryan? It's amazing. Now, this next little entry is a little bit self-indulgent i know you've not seen this chris i'm 100 percent sure you have not seen this so i have not. indeed you have seen it mm-hmm. wow okay you've just redeemed yourself in one fell swoop because this is cult classic material it is guy ritchie's debut debut movie of course it's a crime caper that's all that he does anyone like jewelry look at that one there handmade in italy hand stolen in stepney it's as long as my arm. I wish it was as long as something else. <laughs> Squeeze in if you can. Left leg, right leg. Your body will follow. They call it walking. You want one as well, darling? You do. That's it. They're waking up. Treat the wife. Treat somebody else's wife. It's a lot more fun if you don't get caught. <laughs> buy them. You better buy them. These are not stolen. They just haven't been paid for. If you can't get them again, they've changed the bloody locks here. What for you? The voice of who, Chris? Jason Statham. In his opening acting performance. It was a film that saw footballer Vinnie Jones get a role, <laughs> musician Sting get a role, and the real-life governor, bare-knuckle boxer Lenny McLean. I've seen it. It's atrocious that I haven't. Uh, it, it's, it's inexcusable, Chris. On yeah. I, It's probably the one blot on your copybook, okay, I'll take to be that. honest. I'll take that on that the and the Tiger documentary. Yeah. Tom Cruise helped get Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels released in the US. <laughs> now, he was uh, a friend of Trudy Styler, who was married to Sting. Yes. You'll love this, Chris. There's a bit of celebrity goss. And um, Trudy reached out to Tom because there was a screening for potential buyers in Hollywood, and they were a little bit sceptical of a film by an unknown British director, including a bunch of British stars. Vinnie Jones was completely unknown at the time. 
and the producer, a guy called Matthew Vaughan, recalled it was really funny because there was mid-level executives sitting in a room. Suddenly Tom Cruise walks in. He sees them all sit up and pay attention. And then at the end, Tom gets up in front of everyone and says, this is the best movie I've seen in years. You guys would be fools not to buy it. Now, Lockstock is also the reason, apparently, that Brad Pitt appeared in Snatch, which was Guy Ritchie's follow-up to Lockstock, because apparently when he sees a film that he likes, he's well known for calling up the person who directed it and just saying, let me be in your next film. And that's exactly what he did, according to Guy Ritchie himself. That's brilliant. Imagine getting a call from Brad Pitt. So I'm a bit confused. So Trudy Styler, wife of Sting, says to Tom, they need a helping hand. Yeah, we just just, get some clout. Do you want to come to this screening? And then Lockstock. What a man. And that basically launched Springboard for Guy Ritchie. Because, obviously, as we know now... And Jason. And Jason, as well. Meanwhile, Edward Norton and Edward Furlong starred in the powerful film American History X. He was his mother's hope. He's gone. You don't know the world your children are living in. His father's legacy. It's everywhere I look now. And his brother's hero. I trust you, Derek. All there is All that anger... Has anything you've done made your life better? Story, a very powerful story of racial tension. An older brother, played by Edward Norton, seeking to stop his younger brother going down the same path as he did. Again, during lockdown, brilliant Edward Norton in that movie is incredible. Incredible. Joaquin Phoenix turned down the lead role Did because he? he thought the, the film's subject matter was too intense. Um, apparently, that the director. That surprises me a little bit. He yeah, doesn't does. seem like someone who would shy away from an intense mm. role. Yeah. I agree with that. Mm. Yeah, but he, he clearly felt quite strongly about this one. It was directed by Tony Kay, who, despite the fact the film was met by critical acclaim, hated it. Did he? And he tried to disown it. He tried to appropriate that official pseudonym, Alan Smithy. We've talked about that, I'm sure, yeah, before. Yeah, we have. But he was denied because he'd already publicly disparaged the film. He hated it. Yeah. That's quite something. A director of the movie hates his own work. I know. Well, this has happened before, which is why Alan Smithy exists. But given the fact, yeah, we've heard But it is really such an acclaimed film connect. that it is surprising. Bad movies. If you're putting your name to Sharknado, I can get it. But yeah. to put your name to American History X and hate it, well, that's... That's a surprise. Now, in yet another edition of Will Smith's not being able to do any wrong, this year he released Enemy of the State. A powerful man has been murdered. Holy... A hidden camera recorded the crime. None of this goes beyond us. We don't need any more problems, do we? An innocent bystander... I was my Christmas present. In your dreams, buddy. ...was given the evidence. We have reason to believe that Mr. Zavitz may have passed sensitive materials to you. Clark! Will Smith... Certainly carjacked a really nice car. Gene Hackman... You're either incredibly smart or incredibly stupid. We'll see you in a minute. Enemy of the State... Your little review of that, Chris. I love Enemy of the State. Jean Voigt's also in it as well, father of Angelina Jolie. It was, I've watched it probably 20 odd times. Enemy okay. of the State. It's I've so never good. seen it. It's so good. I did see it back in the day, but remind me, it's about Will Smith is sort of unassuming, doesn't know yeah. he's getting involved in this, and he gets embroiled Correct. in something that he, he has is, nothing to do every with. Every right? role he has is basically it's a bit that. like it's that. the same <laughs> as Independence Day and Men in Black. He's, he's always a, the unassuming bloke who gets roped, roped yeah. in. Not to spoil it, he's doing a spot of shopping and a hacker. <laughs> 
drops something into his right. shopping bags, which then kicks off this kind of cat and mouse game. Gene Hackman then gets involved to give him a helping hand. It's just an excellent movie. We're going to finish off with the best performing film released this year. It wasn't Saving Private Ryan. It was actually a movie that was utterly slated oh, by many critics, Rob. but it still made nearly ha- over sorry over half a billion dollars at the box office it's what we call a global killer the end of mankind half the world being incinerated by the heat blast and the rest will freeze to death in nuclear winter basically the worst parts of the bible hitting the rock from the outside won't do the job so we nuke this thing from the inside how we drill we're bringing the world's best deep core driller the United States government has just asked us to save the world. We're talking about space, right? Outer space? This is like deep blue hero stuff. I'm there. I'm with you. Eat me up, Scotty. Yes, you did hear listen. Owen Wilson's voice there. Don't listen to the critics. Right. Armageddon did so much for the oil and gas industry. <laughs> Here's the synopsis, So I've got to tell you what Ben Affleck said as well. So, asteroid hurtles towards Earth. Blue-collar deep-core drillers were asked by NASA to train up as astronauts in just 11 days. And then fly into space and use their drilling skills to plant a nuclear oh, bomb on the true. asteroid, OK? Ben Affleck recalled, he asked the director, Michael Bay, why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts <laughs> but it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers and Michael Bay said shut the bleep up <laughs> and that was the end of it oh my goodness uh, eventually he actually apologised did Michael Bay for Armageddon he said uh, I will apologise for it we had to do the whole movie in 16 weeks it was a massive undertaking that was not fair I would redo the entire third act if I could but the studio took the movie away from us I did call James Cameron and ask what do you do when you're doing all the effects yourself but as it turned out the movie did fine it did. Listen, it's a guilty pleasure of mine, Armageddon. <laughs> I right. love it. It's cheesy, cheesy but it's nonsense. the kind of cheese you love. I bawled my eyes out when Bruce Willis tells <laughs> Liv Tyler that he's not coming home, Gracie. Uh, that, that was her name. Right. Brilliant. To conclude the movies of that year, the other big films that were released that we didn't get a chance to have a clip from, Something About Mary. Brilliant. The Truman Show. Rush Hour. Love it. Blade. Yep. That was a cult classic, Wesley wasn't it? Wesley Snipes. Oh, Godzilla, so good. The Wedding Singer, The Big Lebowski, and Meet Joe Black. Yeah, Brad Pitt and Meet Joe Black. TV shows, Dawson's Creek, Sex and the City, Ooh. Will and Grace, all released in 1998. <laughs> Never did get into Will and Grace, not for me. Sex and the City, the same. We spoke about that on Thursday. Dawson's Creek. Big fan. Class. Big fan. I've just started watching Dawson's Creek. I never watched it as a teenager, and it is so awful. I have it's no words for really it. It's a really weird thing but... to start watching now. <laughs> it really was a product of its time. It really so. was. I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Let's move on to music. We're going to start with Chris's favourite. It is the dance genre, and we've already heard one song from this particular act. Let's hear another. I've still got it written down that you started DJing at the age of seven in 1970, <laughs> but clearly that's just not correct. So, <laughs> Fatboy Slim, though, he, he popularised something known as Big Beat. Okay. And he was as a precursor to, to kind of like the, the mega success of the dance music genre today. Fatboy Slim was instrumental in that. I mean, absolutely brilliant. It's one of those songs, we've talked about this, some of these dance songs haven't aged that no, much. they haven't. 
Yeah. Praise you and that Still one. a good listen. Yeah. yeah. Um, praise you, speaking of, it got a little bit political because the Prime Minister at the time, Tony Blair in the UK, he borrowed the song in 1999 and pundits took exception to the line, I have to praise you like I should, because they accused him of rampant egotism. Mm. Fatboy Slim himself said, somehow it's become the anthem of the soft left. Ooh. And then Al Gore used it while campaigning for president in 2000. And Slim's response was, thank God it wasn't the Republicans. I would have had to sue. <laughs> that <laughs> so is there so you go. unexpected. Al Gore and I'm praise you. Yeah. Fat boy Slim, Al Gore does not compute. Yeah, I know. This next song spent a solitary week atop the dance chart in the US back in March. of the 1978 song by the same name uh, and it originally performed by American disco and R&B singer Sylvester this time by Byron Stingley and you know what I'm a fan Rob yeah <laughs> honestly never heard that in my life before oh, come so. on oh, come on so. son Come on. We're going to gloss over the next one, uh, a song by Moose T, uh, which I'm sure... Featuring who? Featuring Hot and Juicy. I'm sure <laughs> you're all familiar with it. We are going to gloss over it, though. We're going to move on to Daft Punk's Thomas Bangalter. Uh, he formed the anonymous one-off disco project Stardust, and they came up with this anthem, which took Ibiza by storm in the summer. offered three million pounds to create an entire album for Stardust, but he declined, did Bang Alter. So it was only ever the one song? Just this song. It's a one done. That's so good. one day I'd love to take over the music of Dubai 103.8 whether they'd have many listeners left I'm not quite sure but they're the kind of tracks that I just yeah. play 6am through to, well 6am 24 hours you're we a big just fan. become oh, that's the kind of stuff I just I want to just go out now the wife won't see me for 24 hours. <laughs> right. In the world of hip-hop, it was a big year for a Miss Lauren Hill. Girls, you know you better watch out. Some guys, some guys are only about that thing, that thing, that thing, that thing, that thing, that This won the 1998 Grammy Award for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance. Hill also won for the Best Rhythm and Blues Song. The album received 11 nominations, making it the first hip-hop record to receive that many. 
That's incredible. Yeah, Keep that album that. was everywhere, wasn't that it, that year? thing. I've just put this one in, again, mainly for my own kind of personal amusement, so I do apologise, but any song that samples Knight Rider is a winner. Iceberg five, where you at? No need for alarm. Right now I'm cruising to the sounds of my enhancing bomb. Hurry up, five, and yo, you know what's about to get thick. I see this cap away behind my back, about to do a stick. Tell me where you at, I will be there in ten seconds flat. You know I got your back, I'll be there just in time to counter that. Sometimes I'm on forget who my S5 bulletproof. I turbo move and blast right through the ceiling in the roof. Coming through here, you knocking out the sucker too. Fools speed ahead like we running a toll booth. Produce more, play with the very five juice. Call the truth, sleep on me, get my people the best too. Buster Rhymes there with his third top ten hit on the Billboard Hot 100. Big hit in the United Kingdom and in Canada as well. And, um, you know, this song's reminded me, and I think you've missed out of your wonderful selection, Ghetto Superstar was 1998 was as well. It? Was it? And was that it? Song, that was huge. Oh, was Ghetto it? Superstar. Yeah. Oh, my God, was that really 1998? Well, I nearly missed this one. This was actually, arguably, the year's biggest hit, and Sonal pointed out that I just had to play it, and she's actually quite right. Spent 13 weeks wow. at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. When Randy and Monica. Listening back to it compared to the other songs that we've heard. Not that great, you know? A little bit tepid. You insisted on no, featuring because, it. Because it was, it was iconic. I mean, it, in, if you were there in the late 90s, that song was mm. absolutely everywhere. It was. And it was huge. So it was definitely huge, but just not, not the best song, is it? No. Not really. False flat. It's R and B. It's never the best song. Oh. It's R and B. R and B. We're not going to take a big hey, old listen, crack at R and B in uh, general. R and B worst genre out there, if you ask me. Uh, <gasps> Ooh, in November, the Beastie Boys made a resounding return to form with their album Hello Nasty. This was the second single. <laughs> Boys, get this. They've sold 20 million records in the US, seven platinum selling albums between 86 and 2004, and they are the biggest selling rap group since Billboard began. Are they really? Yeah. Amazing, that. Absolutely amazing. Uh, but it was a big, big year for them with that album, and staying in the US. Offspring. Oh. I mean, you could not get away from this song. This was in in my school. We had a little common room area where we had like a break time at 11 a.m. And every single time you'd go in there, this song would be on the TV. Of course, with the lyrics there, 1990, also the year of Ricky Lake. 
Yeah. Did you did you watch Ricky? Did you tune into Ricky Lake? Every now and again. Channel Four, big every talk show host again. in the US. It's a um, bit impartial to Ricky Lake. Now the guitarist apparently for Offspring was called Noodle, and explaining this song, he said it's about a kid that tries to mingle with the cool gangsters, and it just doesn't work out for him. He makes a complete fool of himself. It's about guys who want to be so cool. So this song, for it. some reason, reminds me of like American Pie. A little, yeah, that, was, that vibe. Correct. There was a lot of that knocking around at the time, wasn't right? there? A lot of that kind of high energy American kind of soft rock. High school Americana. Kind yes. of exactly that. Exactly that. Uh, but music wise, this year, solid, good, uh, bad, indifferent. This year, I'm just kind of feeling it's. Tapering. It's, yeah, it's a little. It's a really? solid year. There's nothing, save for, you know, saving Private Ryan, nothing that's really wowing me. Oh, okay. So? Mm. I'm enjoying it. Right now it's standing between a solid eight to nine for me. Oh, okay. Enjoying right. it, but like you said, it needs that little extra oomph right Sport now. Sport might give it a bit of oomph. Okay, let's move on to sport. And it was the year when one of the all-time great FIFA World Cups was staged yeah. in France. Oh. It was the year of the Brazilian Ronaldo, David Beckham's red card, Zinedine Zidane's brilliance, and lots more. Didier Deschamps was the captain of the French team in 1998. He led his team to victory. They won over Brazil 3-0 in the final. Take a listen. Petit. tell a World Cup goal by the sound of the crowd and yeah. those horns as well. Yeah. You just don't get that in regular football. What a um, World Cup that was. I would say until the recent one, 2018 in Russia, the best World well, Cup. Well, that was what I was going to ask you. Was it better than 2018? No, I think 2018 World Cup, if you cast your minds back yeah. to Russia, I think that was the best World Cup that we'd ever seen. But until that point, 1998 had it all. Quiz question for you, Chris. Yeah. Didier has become, subsequently, only the third person ever to win the tournament as a player and as a manager when he led the team to victory. Can you name the other two? Yeah, done quiz questions on this. Mario Zagallo, Brazil. Yeah. He won it twice as a player in 1958-1962. Won it as a manager in 1970. Franz Beckenbauer, Germany, won it, of course, 1974, and then managed in 1990. Didn't expect that to catch you out, um, but was hoping you'd mull over it for a little bit longer <laughs> than that. I, budget, I budgeted for 45 seconds. He mulled over it for about three seconds. He closed his eyes, he yeah. got into his zone, and it yeah. all just came forth from him. I've got to get the dates uh, right. And the rumours about Ronaldo, have they been cleared up? What no. was what, what is known about Ronaldo well, before that final? I, I still remember. I was watching the BBC coverage in the UK, and was it... Gary Lineker it was, it was Gary Lineker and it came through that there was reports that he'd had a fit that there was some sort of seizure then it came out that he was actually injured and he was a pale he was you know, a, a pale kind of imitation of the Ronaldo that had ran amok from 96 to that point and it just didn't seem right there was talks, remember afterwards the Brazil players coming out you know, Ronaldo was their star man and they just looked shook up from it mm. France went on to win that final 3-0 famously Two goals from Zidane, Emmanuel Petit adding the third. And we we genuinely have never actually got to the bottom of what went on yeah. a couple of hours from kickoff with Ronaldo. And the knee injury happened, of course, and would later subsequently knock him off kilter. He would come back. And, you know, you speak to any players that have played with the Brazilian Ronaldo. This is Ronaldo Nazario. And they will tell you, Mikel Silvestri, Michel Zalgado, they will all tell you the greatest player that they've played with. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Football in England was dominated by Arsenal. They won the league title and the FA Cup double for the second time. And in the Champions League, Pedrag Mijatovic scored the only goal in the final as Madrid beat Juventus. They claimed their seventh European Cup. Interestingly, I looked this up. They'd won the first five between 1955 and 60. Then they won again in 1966. So that was actually the end of a 32-year drought in the competition. Mm -hmm. They've subsequently added six more titles, including those three in a row. You know, Padre, uh, Pedrag Mijatovic, uh, the Serbian scoring, Yugoslavian striker scoring, uh, terrible game. One of the worst Champions League finals. It was Real Madrid 1, Juventus nils Zinedine Zidane yet again failing to lift the European Cup with Juve. He would have to actually move to Real Madrid to get the monkey off his back. Now, in basketball, it was game six of the NBA Finals. Michael Jordan and his Chicago Bulls side were on the road in Utah trying to cap off their second three-peat of the decade. The Bulls can win it right here. The Bulls can win it. Unbelievable. 13 seconds left. Jordan left side. I practice as if I'm playing in a game. So when the moment comes in the game, it's not new to me. That's the beauty of the game of basketball. That's the reason why you practice. That's the effort. So when you get to that moment, you don't have to think. Instinctively, things happen. Jordan, a drive. And fires. Yes! The Bulls lead 87-86. You know, it's, yeah, I think it was a very defining moment of what my career was in Chicago. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth championship that would wrap up the second three Pete yeah it did and that shot I actually posted up after the last dance remember during lockdown it was either Tiger King or the last dance thankfully it was the last dance that has endured I feel and I actually posted up a picture on my social media the beauty of that shot that we see Michael Jordan I think 5.2 seconds remaining is there's a beautiful black and white shot he's left in colour and you see the crowd behind the basket not an iPhone not a camera in sight everyone omnipresent everyone just watching on as this living legend mm. did what he did and that was cometh the hour cometh the man those days are gone the unfortunately they're gone they are gone yeah they're gone forever um, just quickly last one over in cricket Sachin Tendulkar's Desert Storm we finish yes. in Sharjah it's still considered one of the most iconic events of Indian cricket and one of the greatest ODI innings of all time dancing in the aisles in Sharjah shot all the way for six what a player lovely crisp clean hit straight down the ground well again the pressure is off he's gone after the bowler of the very first delivery of the over and the great thing about this innings today is he's played so straight Facing an attack in Australia of, or in Sharjah, I should say, an Australian attack of Shane Warne, Damian Fleming, and Michael Kasprovitz. Tendulkar hit 143 runs off 131 deliveries, nine boundaries, five sixes, and it just was he hailed as one yeah. of his greatest he, single performances. He did it all on a sandstorm. As well. I mean, remarkable. Amazing stuff. Right, just a quick score summary for 1998. Tekops Jensi has given it a 10. Has she really? Sanjay has given it a 10. What? Fard has given it an 8. Sonal Rapani. I'm going to go with 8. Two eights and two tens, Chris. Yeah, 8. Uh, just uh, an even 8. Three eights. You, Rob? Two tens. I'm going to give it an 8 as well. Four eights, two 30, tens. 32, 42, 52. Divide it by 6. So you've got an average. You're looking at about a, a 9. Wait a minute, let me get the calculator out. 52, is it? 
Yeah, 52, 52 divided, by six. divided by 6. 8.6. Yeah. 8.6. So it's not going to beat sort 1994. Um, but uh, a lot of you enjoying 1998. I love Jane Sear Tekop's been back here saying she enjoyed the year. That's the year, apparently, that she learned how to sing. Okay. We'll take that, Jane Sear. Yeah, that's why I get to 10. Yeah, you're playing. <laughs> love it. We never said this was objective. It is a subjective, yeah. little, very unofficial little ranking system, that, for the time capsule years. So that'll be back for oh. 1999, which I think oh. is going to be a big one. Yeah. It's going to be a biggie. I'm already excited. For, I mean, we already know that Chris is giving it a 10 before it's even started, <laughs> based on Manchester United's exploits alone. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. Thank you for listening to the Time Capsule. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and please do, if you've got a moment, give us a review. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today.